Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, original edition, published by our very dear friends of the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read ACIMLE. Also at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up where you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email that includes both the reading we share as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we are continuing our reading of the Manual for Teachers. Uh, We'll be covering question number 14, how will the world end? And question number 15, is each one to be judged in the end? We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 352. Judgment and love are opposites. From one comes all the sorrow of the world. From the other comes the peace of God himself. And by way of opening this morning, I waited and waited, and this is the one that came. By way of opening, can deeply reflect on this, maybe. It settled in very nicely for me. It's a little poem from Talia Hunter, and it goes like this. The eight rules for happiness, my dear, are as follows. Everything is as it should be, even when it appears anything but what it should be. Every person you encounter is the right person for you to encounter. Every place you find yourself is the right place for you to be. Every self you are in each moment is the self you are meant to be. Every moment you take action is the right moment for you to take action. Every step you take is the right step for you to take. Every tear you shed is the right tear for you to release. And every change that comes your way is the right change for transformation. So long as you are committed to a path of love, healing and growth, and trust in a higher purpose working for the good of all, at all times, beyond all that you may presently see. Judgment and love are opposites. Amen. Perfect. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, oh, Laurie. how perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. Yeah. Spot on. Thank you, guys. Great lesson, huh? All right, my friends, here's our reading lesson. Our reading list. Our reading list today is from Lemoyne, Jessica, Fran, Karen, Robin Marie, Jennifer, and Lena. And we're joined in listening this morning by Sheila. And I wonder, has anyone else joined us that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning. This is Ida. I'm listening. Good morning, Ida. Good morning. It's Harrison. I'm listening. Good morning, Harrison. Good morning, all. It's Jude. I'll be listening. Thank you, Lori. Okay. Good morning, Judy. 
Okay. <clears throat> Lots to read this morning. Two beautiful, beautiful sections. Section 14. How will the world end? Can what has no beginning really end? The world will end in an illusion as it began. Yet will its ending be an illusion of mercy? The illusion of forgiveness, complete, excluding no one, limitless and gentleness will cover it, hiding all evil, concealing all sin, and ending guilt forever. So ends the world that guilt had made. So ends the world that guilt had made. For now it has no purpose and is gone. The father of illusions is the belief that they have a purpose, that they serve a need or gratify a want. Perceived as purposeless, they are no longer seen. Their uselessness is recognized and they are gone. How but in this way are all illusions ended? They have been brought to truth and truth saw them not. It merely overlooked the meaningless. Okay, manual for teachers, part 14. How will the world end? Can what has no beginning really end? The world will end in an illusion as it began. Yet will its ending be an illusion of mercy, the illusion of forgiveness, complete, excluding no one, limitless in gentleness, will cover it, hiding all evil, concealing all sin, and ending guilt forever. So ends the world that guilt had made, for now it has no purpose and is gone. The father of illusions is the belief that they have a purpose, that they serve a need or gratify a want. Perceived as purposeless, they are no longer seen. Their uselessness is recognized and they are gone. How but in this way are all illusions ended? They have been brought truth and truth saw them not. It merely overlooked the meaningless. Until forgiveness is complete, the world does have a purpose. It becomes the home in which forgiveness is born and where it grows and becomes stronger and more all-embracing. Here is it nourished, for here it is needed. A gentle Savior, born where sin was made, and guilt seemed real. Here is his home, for here there is need of him indeed. He brings the ending of the world with him. It is his call, God's teacher's answer, turning to him in silence to receive his word. The world will end when all things in it have been rightly judged by his judgment. The world will end with the benediction of holiness upon it, 
When not one thought of sin remains, the world is over. It will not be destroyed, nor attacked, nor even touched. It will merely cease to seem to be. Thank you, Lemoyne. Uh, Jessica. Paragraph 2. Until forgiveness is complete, the world does have a purpose. It becomes the home in which forgiveness is born and where it grows and becomes stronger and more all-embracing. Here is it nourished, for here it is needed. A gentle savior, born where sin was made and guilt seemed real. I mean, sorry. A gentle savior, born where sin was made and guilt seemed real. Here is his home, for here there is need of him. Indeed, he brings the ending of the world with him. It is his call, God's teacher's answer, turning to him in silence to receive his word. The world will end when all things in it have been rightly judged by his judgment. The world will end with the benediction of holiness upon it. When not one thought of sin remains, the world is over. It will not be destroyed, nor attacked, nor even touched. It will merely cease to be. Three. Certainly, this seems to be a long, long while away. When not one, quote, when not one thought of sin remains, unquote, appears to be a long-range goal indeed. But time stands still and waits on the goals of God's teachers. Not one thought of sin, sin will remain the instant any one of them accepts the atonement for himself. It is not easier to forgive one sin than to forgive all of them. The illusion of orders of difficulty is an obstacle the teacher of God must learn to pass by and leave behind. One sin perfectly forgiven by one teacher of God can make salvation complete. Can you understand this? No. It is meaningless to anyone here. Yet it is the final lesson in which unity is restored. It goes against all the thinking of the world, but so does heaven. Thank you, Jessica and Fran. Three. Certainly, this seems to be a long, long while away. When not, quote, when not one thought of sin remains, unquote, appears to be a long-range goal indeed. But time stands still and waits on the goals of God's teachers. Not one thought of sin will remain the instant any one of them accepts the atonement for himself. It is not easier to forgive one sin than to forgive all of them, 
The illusion of orders of difficulty is an obstacle the teacher of God must learn to pass by and leave behind. One sin perfectly forgiven by one teacher of God can make salvation complete. Can you understand this? No. It is meaningless to anyone here. Yet it is the final lesson in which unity is restored. It goes against all the thinking of the world. But so does heaven. Four. The world will end when its thought system has been completely reversed. Until then, bits and pieces of its thinking will still seem sensible. The final lesson which brings the ending of the world cannot be grasped by those not yet prepared to leave the world and go beyond its tiny reach. What, then, is the function of the teacher of God in this concluding lesson? He needs merely learn how to approach it, to be willing to go in its direction. He needs merely trust that, if God's voice tells him, it is a lesson he can learn, he can learn it. He does not judge it either as hard or easy. His teacher points to it, and he trusts that he will show him how to learn it. Thank you, Fran. Uh, Karen. The world will end when its thought system has been completely reversed. Until then, bits and pieces of its thinking will still seem sensible. The final lesson which brings the ending of the world cannot be grasped by those not yet prepared to leave the world and go beyond its tiny reach. What then is the function of the teacher of God in this concluding lesson? He need merely learn how to approach it, to be willing to go in its direction. He need merely trust that if God's voice tells him it is a lesson he can learn, he can learn it. He does not judge it either as hard or easy. His teacher points to it and he trusts that he will show him how to learn it. Five, the world will end in joy because it is a place of sorrow. When joy has come, the purpose of the world has gone. The world will end in peace because it is a place of war. When peace has come, what is the purpose of the world? The world will end in laughter because it is a place of tears. Where there is laughter, who can longer weep? And only complete forgiveness brings all this to bless the world. In blessing it departs, for it will not end as it began. To turn hell into heaven is the function of God's teachers, for what they teach are lessons in which heaven is reflected. And now sit down in true humility and realize that all have you do, you do, excuse me. And now sit down in true humility and realize that all God would have you do, you can do. Do not be arrogant and say you cannot learn how his curriculum, his words say otherwise. His will be done cannot be otherwise. 
Be you thankful. It is so. Thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie, if you would like to read five, please. Take a little pause before question 15 and roll right into it. Oh, boy. And you'll get to roll right into it with both the first and second paragraph, okay? Thank you. All right. Thank you. Five. The world will end in joy because it is a place of sorrow. When joy has come, the purpose of the world has gone. The world will end in peace because it is a place of war. When peace has come, what is the purpose of the world? The world will end in laughter because it is a place of tears. Where there is laughter, who can longer weep? And only complete forgiveness brings all this to bless the world. In blessing, it departs, for it will not end as it began. To turn hell into heaven is the function of God's teachers. For what are lessons in which heaven is reflected. And now sit down in true humility and realize that all God would have you do, you can do. Do not be arrogant and say you cannot learn his own curriculum. His word says otherwise. His will be done. It cannot be otherwise. And be you thankful, it is so. Fifteen. Is each one to be judged in the end? Indeed, yes. No one can escape God's final judgment. Who could flee forever from the truth? But the final judgment will not come until it is no longer associated with fear. One day, each one will welcome it. And on that very day, it will be given him. He will hear his sinlessness proclaimed around and around the world, setting it free as God's final judgment on him is received. This is the judgment in which salvation lies. This is the judgment that will set him free. This is the judgment in which all things are freed with him. Time pauses as eternity comes near and silence lies across the world that everyone may hear this judgment of the Holy Son of God. Holy holy are you, eternal, free and whole, at peace forever in the heart of God. Where is the world and where is sorrow now? Thank you, Robin Marie. And Jennifer, uh, section title and uh, one, two, and three, please. Fifteen. Is each one to be judged in the end? Indeed, yes. 
No one can escape God's final judgment. Who could flee forever from the truth? But the final judgment will not come until it is no longer associated with fear. One day, each one will welcome it. And on that very day, it will be given him, her. He will hear his sinlessness proclaimed around and around the world, setting it free as God's final judgment on him is received. This is the judgment in which salvation lies. This is the judgment that will set him free. This is the judgment in which all things are freed with him. Time pauses as eternity comes near and silence lies across the world that everyone may hear this judgment of the Son of God. Two. Holy are you, eternal, free, and whole, at peace forever in the heart of God. Where is the world and where is sorrow now? Is this your judgment on yourself, teacher of God? Do you believe that this is wholly true? No, not yet, not yet. But this is still your goal. Why you are here. It is your function to prepare yourself to hear this judgment and to recognize that it is true. One instant of complete belief in this, you will go beyond belief to certainty. One instant out of time can bring time's end. Judge not, for you but judge yourself and thus delay this final judgment. What is your judgment on the world, teacher of God? Have you yet learned to stand aside and hear the voice of judgment in yourself? Or do you still attempt to take his role from capital him? Learn to be quiet, for his voice is heard in stillness, and his judgment comes to all who stand aside in quiet listening and wait for him. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, And Lana. If you would like to do paragraph two, three, and four, please. Okay. Holy are you, eternal, free, and whole, at peace forever in the heart of God. Where is the world and where is sorrow now? Three. 
Is this your judgment on yourself, teacher of God? Do you believe that this is wholly true? No, not yet. Not yet. But this is still your goal. While, why you are here. It is your function to prepare yourself to hear this judgment and to recognize that it is true. One instant of complete belief in this and you will go beyond belief to certainty. One instant out of time can bring time's end. Judge not for you but judge yourself and thus delay this final judgment. What is your judgment on the world, teacher of God? Have you yet learned to stand aside and hear the voice of judgment in yourself? Or do you still attempt to take his role from him? Learn to be quiet, for his voice is heard in stillness. And his judgment comes to all who stands aside in quiet listening and wait for him. Four, you who are sometimes sad and sometimes angry, who sometimes feel your just due is not given you and your best efforts met with lack of appreciation and even contempt, Give up these foolish thoughts. They are too small and meaningless to occupy your holy minds an instant longer. God's judgment waits for you to set you free. What can the world hold out to you regardless of your judgments on its gifts that you would rather have? You will be judged and judged in fairness and in honesty. There is no deceit in God. His promises are sure. Only remember that. His promises have guaranteed that his judgment and his alone will be accepted in the end. It is your function to make that end be soon. It is your function to hold it in your heart and offer it to all the world to keep it safe. Oh, beautiful. Amen. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lana. Um, gosh. We have 14 minutes. And um, these two sections go together so beautifully. Um, I personally would love to hear them read again uh, in harmony with different voices. Anyone else? Yeah, sure, that sounds great. Okay. All righty. And is there anyone who would like to read who hasn't had an opportunity? Anyone who is listening before would like to read now? I would. Thank you, Lori. All right, Judy. We'll do that. I think we can pull it off just pretty well. If, Judy, you would do uh, the first paragraph in Section Title 14, and Lana the second, 
and Jennifer the third and Robin Ray the fourth and Karen the fifth and Fran do section title in 15 and paragraph 1 and 2 Jessica paragraph 3 and Lemoyne paragraph 4 how about that just perfectly um, perfectly fits alrighty Uh, go ahead and get us started Judy please 1 and 2 or just 1 Lori I'm sorry just one paragraph just one paragraph yeah just one paragraph manual for teachers section 14 how will the world end can what has no beginning really end the world will end in an illusion as it began yet will its ending be in an illusion of mercy the illusion of forgiveness complete excluding no one limitless in gentleness will cover it, hiding all evil, covering all sin, and ending guilt forever. So ends the world that guilt had made. For now, it has no purpose and is gone. The father of illusions is the belief that they have a purpose, that they have a need, or excuse me, that they serve a need or gratify a want. Perceived as purposeless, they are no longer seen. Their uselessness is recognized, and they are gone. How but in this way are all illusions ended? They have been brought to truth, and truth has seen them not. It has merely overlooked the meaningless. K2, until forgiveness is complete, the world does have a purpose. It becomes the home in which forgiveness is born and where it grows and becomes stronger and more all-embracing. Here is it nourished, for here it is needed. A gentle savior, born where sin was made, and guilt seemed real. Here is his home, for here there is need of him indeed. He brings the ending of the world with him. It is his call, God teachers answer, turning to him in silence to receive his word. The world will end when all things in it have been have been rightly judged by his judgment. The world will end when the benediction of holiness, I'm sorry, the world will end with the benediction of holiness upon it. When not one thought of sin remains, the world is over. It will not be destroyed, nor attacked, nor even touched. It will merely cease to seem to be. K2. 
three. Certainly this seems to be a long, long while away. Quote, when not one thought of sin remains, unquote, appears to be a long-range goal indeed. But time stands still and waits on the goals of God's teachers. Not one thought of sin will remain the instant any one of them accepts the atonement for himself. It is not easier to forgive one sin than to forgive all of them. The illusion of orders of difficulty as an, is an obstacle the teacher of God must learn to pass by and leave behind. One sin perfectly forgiven by one teacher of God can make salvation complete. Can you understand this? No. It is meaningless to anyone here. Yet it is the final lesson in which unity is restored. It goes against all the thinking of the world. But so does heaven. Four. The world will end when its thought system has been completely reversed. Until then, bits and pieces of its thinking will still seem sensible. The final lesson which brings the ending of the world cannot be grasped by those not yet prepared to leave the world and go beyond its tiny reach. What then is the function of the teacher of God in this concluding lesson? He need merely learn how to approach it, to be willing to go in its direction. He need merely trust that if God's voice tells him it is a lesson he can learn, he can learn it. He does not judge it either as hard or easy. His teacher points to it, and he trusts that he will show him how to learn it. The world will end in joy because it is a place of sorrow. When joy has come, the purpose of the world has gone. The world will end in peace because it is a place of war. When peace has come, what is the purpose of the world? The world will end in laughter because it is a place of tears. Where there is laughter, who can longer weep? And only complete forgiveness brings all this to bless the world. In blessing it departs, for it will not end as it began. To turn hell into heaven is the function of God's teachers. For what they teach are lessons in which heaven is reflected. And now, sit down in true humility and realize that all God would have you do, you can do. Do not be arrogant and say you cannot learn his own curriculum. His word says otherwise. His will be done. It cannot be otherwise. And be you thankful it is so. Section 15. Is each one 
to be judged in the end. Indeed, yes. No one can escape God's final judgment. Who would flee forever from the truth? But the final judgment will not come until it is no longer associated with fear. One day, each one will welcome it. And on that very day, it will be given him. He will hear his sinlessness proclaimed around and around the world, setting it free as God's final judgment on him is received. This is the judgment in which salvation lies. This is the judgment that will set him free. This is the judgment in which all things are freed with him. Time pauses as eternity comes near, and silence lies across the world that everyone may hear this judgment of the Son of God. Holy are you, eternal, free, and whole, at peace forever in the heart of God. Where is the world and where is sorrow now? Okay. <laughs> um, should I read that part again? Holy are you, eternal, free, and whole, at peace forever in the heart of God. Where is the world and where is sorrow now? Is this your judgment on yourself, teacher of God? Do you believe that this is wholly true? No, not yet, not yet. But this is still your goal, why you are here. It is your function to prepare yourself to hear this judgment and to recognize that somebody needs to mute. It's not, thank you. To hear this judgment and to recognize that it is true. One instant of complete belief in this and you will go beyond belief to certainty. One instant out of time can bring time's end. Judge not, for you but judge yourself, and thus delay this. Delay this final judgment. What is your judgment on the world, teacher of God? Have you yet learned to stand aside and hear the voice of judgment in yourself? Or do you still attempt to take his role from him? Learn to be quiet, for his voice is heard in stillness, and his judgment comes to all who stand aside in quiet listening and wait for him. You who are sometimes sad and sometimes angry, who sometimes feel your just due is not given you and your best efforts meet with lack of appreciation and even contempt. Give up these foolish thoughts. They are too small and meaningless to occupy your holy minds an instant longer. God's judgment waits for you to set you free. What can the world hold out to you regardless of your judgments on his gifts that you would rather have. 
you will be judged and judged in fairness and in honesty. There is no deceit in God. His promises are sure. Only remember that. His promises have guaranteed that his judgment and his alone will be accepted in the end. It is your function to make that end be soon. It is your function to hold it to your heart and offer it to all the world to keep it safe. Oh, that was utterly beautiful. Thank you, everyone. Sets the stage uh, so perfectly for the last, the last what is question in this manual or in this workbook. Uh, so, Fran, we'll turn it over to you to um, to lead our reflection this morning. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Hi, everybody. We are getting to the end of the second part of the workbook. And our theme, what am I? And today's lesson is lesson 352. Judgment and love are opposites. From one come all the stars of the world, but from the other comes the peace of God himself. So I shall read some from What Am I? And then we will go over to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. What am I? I am God's Son, complete and healed and whole, shining in the reflection of His love. In me is His creation sanctified and guaranteed eternal life. In me is love perfected, fear impossible, and joy established without opposite. I am the holy home of God himself. I am the heaven where his love resides. I am his holy sinlessness itself, for in my purity abides his own. Our useful words is almost over now, yet in the final days of this one year, we gave to God together, you and I, we found a single purpose that we shared. Unless you joined with me, to what I am are you as well. The truth of what we are is not for words to speak of nor describe. Yet we can realize our function here, and words can speak of this and teach it too, if we exemplify the words in us. We'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 352, judgment and love are opposites. From one, come all the sorrows of the world, but from the other comes the peace of God himself. Forgiveness looks on sinlessness alone and judges not. Through this, I come to you. Judgment will bind my eyes and make me blind. Yet love, reflected in forgiveness here, reminds me you have given me a way to find your peace again. I am redeemed when I elect to follow in this way. You have not let me comfortless. I have within me both the memory of you 
and one who leads me to it. Father, I would hear your voice and find your peace today. For I would love my own identity and find in him the memory of you. Lesson 352. Judgment and love are opposites. From one come all the sorrows of the world, but from the other comes the peace of God himself. Five minutes.
Lesson 352. Judgment and love are opposites. From one come all the sorrows of the world, but from the other comes the peace of God himself. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, friend. That was beautiful, friend. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. just say one thing. I love when he tells us in this lesson, this lesson is basically a prayer. You have not left me comfortless. I have within me both the memory of you and one who leads me to it. And I think that's the Holy Spirit. So, I'm complete. Thank you. Indeed. Thank you, Fran. I um hi, this is Robin Marie. <coughs> and I have been communicating with my daughter, Hannah. I and I have been sending her some pictures that she did when she was little. And her memory of them is gone. And I think that when she was kidnapped and missing for a week, something happened inside her to block the memories of how beautiful her childhood was. And so I would ask, um, her name is Hannah Elizabeth Matlin, that those memories would flood her and become part, again, of who she is because they're an essential part of her. And I believe that that would bring heaven to her. Uh, Thank you. Oh, what a beautiful gesture. Thank you, Robin Marie. And yes, I'll join you in that. Thank you. Oh, that was lovely, Robin Marie. I too join you in that beautiful, uh, beautiful request. Uh, thank you. you. You guys are great. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.
Well, this is Ida. And uh, so judgment and love are opposites. And from one comes all the sorrows of the world. But from the other comes all the happiness in the world. And I'm just... In the last six months, a lot of stressful stressful things happened in my life. Three people died, including my mom. I was sick, basically, in the hospital rehab for a month. Broke up with my boyfriend, and he moved out. Moved from my apartment of 12 years in into this, which is basically a good place, assisted living home, but hard to do that. I had to give up my cat of five years to to come here. So those are the main things. So it chase. You can say them really fast, like I just did, but. But I think that in any case, um, I have left over in, in grief and sadness, maybe mostly grief, I don't know, but some kind of negative emotion that, um, like I wasn't able to process in other times before in these last six months when those things happened. One of them was just five days ago that my, my roommate died. But And it's like it's coming out through my voice. It's not... I don't cry so much through my eyes at all. But sometimes it comes out through my voice, so I'm just telling you that's what's going on. It, I'm here for healing. Not only am I here with you guys and the other call for healing and the Course... My whole life has been about healing of one kind or another. Um, I studied um, natural healing in the 80s and 90s, nutrition, vibrational essences, homeopathy, different things. I, I got certified in Reiki tree, energy healing during that time. And, but even before I did those things, and since then, it's always been about healing. I read books about healing psychologically and, and read all kinds of books and spiritual books and things like that. But even if I hadn't done any of those things, it's still all been about healing. And maybe for all of us, or almost all of us on the planet, it's about healing in one way or another. And um, I think especially in what they call the Western world. And um, so anyway, um, thank you for hearing me share. And and I want to manifest love today since it is the thing that, it's not really a thing, but it's, it's what brings all the, 
happiness to the world and I want everybody to be happy just like I did when I was a kid. Uh, I still do and as well as myself. <sighs> Thank you so much. I love you guys. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Oh, thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. We're so thankful that you are with us and that your voice is so clear. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Ida. Thank you again. Good to hear you. Thank you, Ida. Love you. Love you too, Ju. Hi, Ida. This is Lana. Um, You know, you reminded me of um, something that challenges me um, often, and that is um, acceptance. You know, it's um, what you're feeling as sadness, and what I feel too as sadness, I I find um, is just a natural part of the healing process. And um, if I can step back and just not judge myself, and and just allow that sadness, that sadness energy, and not resist it, but just allow it to be and pass through me, um, it'll dissipate a lot faster. Like that beautiful poem that Laurie read this morning you know there are no accidents everything and every everyone is exactly where they should be and learning the lessons they should learn in the way that's perfect for their learning and that there's no mistakes in God's plan of atonement so when I can just accept that um, through the grace of God um, I it just returns me to a state of peace uh, when I stop judging myself for not being, you know, a bliss ninny 24-7, but just allow my humanity to shine as um, my trust in God is strengthened. And, and I allow what is to be what is. And um, because it is just like the lesson is pointing to it's it's our judgments about everything (laughs) uh, that really is the culprit in our misery Um, and the more that I can accept that this is part of my healing process part of my learning my lessons um, I don't have to like it but I at least want to battle with it anymore or try to make it different than it is, but just allow the, that healing to continue and to come to full to my full awareness um, that I am as God created me. But thank you for your honesty, your authenticity, and uh, you're always such a bright light here for me. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Lana. Appreciate it. Thank you, Lana. Yes, I am. I'm really, I'm really in love with Horse and Miracles. You know that it, it, it really, it's a very, it's a very 
intelligent and reasonable and sensible um, kind of teaching, but it explains a lot of stuff that... Somebody's not on mute, if you please. Um, The idea that, you know, how will the world end, Um, that we're illusions, we're images of our own making, you know, all this stuff is it's really like, it's super deep. It's stuff that I'd never thought about or even considered before I read the book. And, um, you know, the, that the Course explains to me that um, all perception will end. And being an instrument of perception, the body and its senses are perceptions. And that I am not the body. But this is the mistake in my self-appraisal. And this is why perception is inherently judgmental. Okay, I hope you guys are following me. Because in my understanding, I'm using an instrument of perception to define and, and tell me what it is I think I am. And the Course says, no, this is a mistake. You can't do this. This is why you cannot judge yourself. You did not make yourself. This body is an image that was made of you, made you into a concept of yourself. Now, if I understand how God created me, that I am created, I was created by God in a spiritual consciousness of oneness and that I can't change that. It's inherently perfect. It's inherently beautiful. It's inherently pure and innocent. And, and uh, there's nothing I can do to, to change it or distort it or destroy it in any way whatsoever. So these are two completely different in opposition definitions of who and what I am. So this lesson coming to the end of the end of the lessons is really reaffirming to me the difference and the absolute necessity for me not to judge who I think I am. I cannot perceive myself. I am not an image. I am not a concept. I'm beyond what the mind can even conceive. A self-concept is an imaginative, it comes from an imagination in a mind that's separate from its creator. (laughs) Now that's a whole lot. It's a mouthful. And I just truly have spent years in sitting in silence when the, the Course says, the Christ in you is very still. The Christ consciousness in me is very still. It it does not judge anything. It merely looks. And the words see and hear in the the theme, what am I? See, look and see, look and see. Listen and hear, listen and hear. Remind me that I can't do this from Judy's perspective because it's a mistake. That's the error I'm trying to correct. I need to look 
through the eyes of Christ. And that's easy with a little bit of practice, because I, I know because I've tried it. And to listen in stillness and silence for the, for the capital voice of the Holy Spirit was a little bit more challenging for Jude, but she got a hold, she got a hold, she got a hold of that by continuing to practice silencing. And it's not just being in the quiet in the quiet of a room. It's quieting my mind, that I needed to quiet my mind and let go of Judy's thinking, all that Judy thinks she knows, all that, that she's learned through the instrument of perception, listening to the voice of Judy's separate-mindedness from all the lessons learned in the world. Now, that's, that's Judy in, its, in her entirety, it's pretty much let, you know, I used to say let it go, girl. Now I say let the girl go. <laughs> let it go, girl. And then the Course taught me letting go is an illusion, you know. It's an illusion of letting go of illusions. And I thought, that's right. Let the girl go completely, entirely. What she doesn't know about who and what she is is everything. Because the ego knows nothing. And what Judy thinks she knows about the ego is nothing. And what Judy thinks she knows about the mind, capital or, or non-capital mind, is nothing. She can't comprehend what the mind is. She simply does not know what the mind is. So that came to me this morning, and, I, and I, I'm really just seated steadfastly in my home ground, which is being peaceful. And the peace of God opposes nothing, absolutely nothing at all. It's all inclusive, Judy included. And however Judy is today is, you know, I'm asking to look upon Judy and say, you know, what do you think? And he's always tender, 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 tender-hearted and kind to me in a way that you know, Judy is going to beat herself up. Judy's going to push. She's going to demand. She's going to command that she be different, want to change, want to fix it. That's all egos, demands, and commands. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, Christ, my holy capital friend in my mind, doesn't ever do that to me. Take it easy. Let the girl go. Let the girl be, be gentle and kind. So I'm, you know, I am, I am host to God. He created me worthy. He created me perfect. And he gave me his voice so that I could be still and listen and hear him. Hear him tell me how much he loves me and how good he wants me to be to myself in order that I can be good to others. I don't need to make myself holy. I don't need to make myself any other way than the exact way that I am already. I'm already perfect. And it's only the ego that would tell me differently. But I just, I, I really, I need to hear myself say these things today because Judge Judy is a critic. <laughs> 
and Judge Judy is not kind. She can be really cruel. It's amazing how harsh and cruel she can be. Um, I wish you all well. I, I wish you all the joy and the happiness that we're entitled to inherent in our being, one with our creator, our natural factory setting. I've talked too long. Ten minutes is enough. The end. Thank Loved you. it all. Thank you. Set us up. <laughs> Thanks, Judy. Good stuff in there. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Your your share, Judy, reminded me of um, a Rumi poem that I just love, and uh, this whole section today is reminiscent of the poem as well. The poem is when I run after what I think I want. My days are a furnace of distress and anxiety. If I sit in my own place of patience, what I need flows to me without pain. From this I understand that what I want also wants me, is looking for me and attracting me. There's a great secret in this for anyone who can grasp it. Um, Thank you, Lori. To give up the yeah, to um, lose the idea of efforting um, is really, uh, I found it very difficult myself. Um, you know, you, you have a workbook filled with lessons, and the promise of every lesson is that if you uh, get your mind to the lesson, uh, your mind will be changed, essentially. And, um, and so here I am with a workbook full of lessons, giving my mind, giving my mind, efforting, efforting, efforting. <laughs> one year, you guys, it's kind of funny, but one year um, I discovered a place where you can purchase every single lesson on a 3 by 5 index card. Smaller, it was smaller than a 3 by It was the size of a playing card, okay? So I bought this huge deck of 365 cards with the lesson, sometimes two lessons on one card. Um, but I realized that to carry the lesson with me so that I could do it hourly, we're talking serious effort. I had to buy a magnifying glass. <laughs> Whipping out my card every hour with my magnifying glass. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, I'm really, really putting some effort into this. I'll look forward to the day. Oh, it's rewarded, but it's not like that. It's not like that at all. Ego mind wants to, um, you know, it says in the Course, ego mind can so easily accept the idea of enlightenment or awakening because at the same time it can make it difficult and, um, and embrace the concept of efforting. You know, mind wants to measure the distance between uh, where he, sell, he says I can be and where I truly feel I, I am. 
and embrace uh, the distance that it measures rather than the alteration in the thought system. You know, and all of that he calls um, using the ego to take an ego alien journey. Use the ego for an ego alien journey. And, it, and the reason I love you know, today's reading and today's lesson, um, I tell you what, is precisely for the words, now sit down in true humility. God's will will be done, and be you thankful it is so. In the second section, truth will come when it is no longer feared. On that day, that very day, you will hear God's judgment. And in the third paragraph, be quiet. Be quiet. His voice is heard in stillness. And in the fourth paragraph, give up your foolish thoughts. In measuring distance between where I think I am and where I think I want to be, what am I doing? What am I really doing but applying judgment? And it's the application of judgment that is the root of all of my suffering. I'm going to say that again. It's the way my mind applies judgment that's the root of all my suffering. The atonement is the antithesis or the opposite of judgment. You know, it's, here's a given truth, my dear. Holy are you, eternal, free and whole. At peace forever in the heart of God. Where's the world in suffering now? That's a given. Now sit down in true humility. This Course in Miracles is not a matter of efforting. I've discovered it's a matter of the opposite of efforting. I remember when all those years ago that holy incident came to me. I fell into it, I will say, rather. Um, when I was back to my ordinary everyday consciousness, I thought, I've, I've had it all backwards. I was wrong about everything. And be glad and thankful it is so. <laughs> and, I mean, there wasn't anybody happier than me on the planet, I don't think, that day. I was so flipping happy. And I realized in that instant, all my suffering came because I identified with thoughts that weren't true. I mean, I thought I had to effort my way through life. I thought I had to become someone. I thought I had to learn and understand everything. Um, I had it all wrong. Um, and that's that's for all of us, you know. Um, but what I really wanted to share today wasn't the unlearning um, that this course offers. Um, it's all a matter of unlearning and releasing my mistaken ideas. But I wanted to point out something uh, from my heart today. And I, I think this season that's upon us, this season of Advent, this waiting for the light, this acknowledgement that in the darkest dark, there
darkness, the light is light. Um, these words that he gives us every day that appeal to our heart knowledge. You know, I would love my identity and find in him the memory of you. There's, there's heart knowledge in that. In that second paragraph, he talks about forgiveness. This world can be um, something different than what I thought it was. He's appealing to my heart. It can be, it can have a different purpose, a place to give birth to and nourish forgiveness. Isn't that just an appeal to my heart? The awareness that that what I release frees me, everything I release frees my mind. Let this world have that purpose. Where's the effort in that, my friends? Where's the effort in that? To let this world have a different purpose. In that third paragraph, time stands still and waits on the goals of God's teachers. Another appeal to my heart. In that fifth paragraph, when I let this world have a different purpose, let it be the birthplace and the nourishment of forgiveness. What will come of that? Joy, peace, laughter. All of those things are the gifts of forgiveness. All of this comes to bless the world, and in blessing it departs. Heart knows blessing, my friends. Our heart knows that word. Anytime I remove a burden from another mind, I experience that blessing. Truth will come when it's no longer feared. If I sit and wait in this place of patience, where he says, judge not because you judge yourself. Every judgment I lay on the world is a judgment on myself because God created us one with everything. We're already one with everything. And when I lay a judgment on anything, I'm laying it on myself. I can only hurt myself. So give up those foolish thoughts. Be quiet. In that very last sentence, that very last sentence in the second section, his promises have guaranteed that his judgment and his alone will be accepted in the end. It is your function to make that end be soon. It is your function to in your heart and offer it to the world to keep it safe. These two readings together, let the world have this different purpose to be the birthplace and nourishment of forgiveness and hold this in your heart. Is that just a perfect echo? Isn't that just a perfect echo of what we're told, the angel told, the angel said of Mary? In Luke, the second chapter, when the angels went away from them, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened, 
which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. When I let my heart be the birthplace of forgiveness in the same way that Mary accepted her role, her purpose, her function, Something different happens, something that I couldn't possibly have foreseen. Something uh, pours forth in the world in the same way that star shone all those thousands of years ago, we're told. This is a course in unlearning. And when I unlearn the lessons I taught myself, when I, when I sit, be quiet, and true humility, be quiet, when his voice teach me in stillness, I understand. And in that understanding, something different is born into the world, not by any efforting, not by efforting at all, by the opposite of efforting. Something new is born. When I give up foolish thoughts, I'm complete. Thank you, Laurie, for the reminder. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Laurie. That yeah. was just such a gift. Thank you. Yeah, thank you thank so much, Thank you Lori. so much, Laurie. I need, needed that. It's beautiful, Lori. Thank you. I have two sets of those cards. <laughs> Thanks for making me laugh. That is funny. <laughs> you started talking about um, laughter and, um, you know, the that the world, as it speaks of it, you know, as being a place of illusions, where we come and are born into bodies, which is an illusion. Not that, you know, we're not having a real experience of it, but that it's, it's an illusion of who we think we are, that we're imagining that we're just bodies, and that our mind, our consciousness, is limited to this body that I'm in. And... um you know, it really, it really, um, it does limit it. It, limit, it limits it. But that we have the beauty, the beauty of the mind as God um, created us in unity and in a state of grace. And, you know, how when we really look at one another, look and see one another, and they say you can see the beauty of the soul in a person's eyes, and you can see the light in the person's eyes. And um, that we can hear, we can hear the voice of God in each other's words. That, um, Lori, you you helped me so much um, in in learning to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in me, as hearing it as my own voice, being able to get myself quiet enough in order to discern how the Holy Spirit speaks to me and how my ego speaks to me. 
and how completely different they really are. But I'm going um, off on a tangent. The, um, you know, the, the tendency that we have, that Judy has to think that there's consolations in the world, that there's, there's some fix or answer to problems in the world, because I've been so um, taught by the world to think that way. And that, you know, the world's propaganda for itself, and I have to remind myself of that. And that the body is an instrument that the world is propaganda for validating that you are here in this body, in this world. And how intimately and complex that's interwoven with the sense of separateness and a a sense of unworthiness and a sense of inadequacy and a sense of lack, and how all that kind of thinking can run amok in 30 seconds or less, you know? I mean, it's... And the training, the mind training that we do in the course in order to stop it, still it, recognize I'm I'm disturbing my own peace, that this need not be... um, You know, that... The word the world doesn't offer consolations to problems that it it's the purpose for it to keep because it's the purpose of the world as the, the separate ego mind construct goes you know attack and defend attack and defend but the the Holy Spirit is an absolute necessity for me to get out. Of a, of a trap that I can't spring by myself because alone I can't get out of it. I'm stuck. And that whole efforting, the ego doing practices, I mean, it took me a long time to realize that, Lori, how that was validating and keeping me stuck. That all, all I need to do is just relax. Relax and welcome love into my heart. Say, here I am. I'm here with you. Have your way with me. Do what you will. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through the day no matter what. But here I am talking too long again. Love to hear you guys talk too. I'm sorry. I'm complete. You never talk too long. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Joanna, I just um, briefly, because I would like to hear others share as well. Um, you know, Jesus tells us in this course that uh, everything is either love or a call for love. And, um, and in, you know, in the first sentence of the, of the lesson today, it says, forgiveness looks on sinlessness alone and judges not. Through this, I come to you, capital why yeah oh you and um so my response uh to that call for love is love is forgiveness you know and the reading certainly points out the readings today that forgiveness is the proper response to everything you know once jesus told me what or you know or asked me what real or imagined, is unworthy of the love of God. And um, so that was an indicator to me that wherever 
I perceive, whatever I perceived as unloving, the remedy, what it's calling for is love. And that includes everything, real or imagined. It's calling me to love this world. It's calling me to love this body. It's calling me even to love my ego. Because love is what will uh, facilitate the disillusion of illusions. Love is the remedy for anything, real or imagined. Our response to what appears unloving is love. You know, where, where there's no love, we bring love. And there we find love. And we remember and recognize that it's all love, all the time. Just because I'm not perceiving it does not mean that love is absent. It absent. It just means that my vision is clouded and I'm not seeing it. So, you know, it's like love recognizes love and remembers itself. So wherever I'm not perceiving love, forgiveness, which to me is the bringing forth of love to what appears not loving, is the remedy. And and in that action, in that decision to love, is all healing accomplished, is all memory restored, is all peace returned to me. And it doesn't matter whether it's a body adventure or an emotional trauma or um, a sense of loss or sacrifice. The remedy is always to apply love to it, to bring love to it, embrace it in that love. And when I do that, I'm bringing everything back to God. I'm bringing myself, my true self, back to the memory of God and restoring my sanity. And um, even so, non-judgment means even not judging my my so-called Lana self, my humanity, or my body, or the world, or anybody in it. Non-judgment and true vision is just seeing sinlessness through forgiveness. And it requires a miracle. It requires me, um, I mean, if I could do this by myself, (laughs) you know, I'd be sitting in heaven right now. You know, it requires our Holy Spirit, our connection with God, our link to our higher mind, our Christ's mind, to be restored in our awareness so we can recognize love where love seems not to be. And... um, and I don't know but for anyone else, but through my practice, that has been always the only remedy that seems to work. You know, it's, um, I've forgotten love. Uh, and that's the cause. And remembering love is the remedy. So anyhow, I'm complete. I'll be quiet too now. <laughs> Thank you for listening. So very uh, simple. In truth. Thank you, Lana. Not always easy, but simple, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly right. Were it not for unforgiveness, would I have a problem? Ever? um, I'm going to say just one other thing. You reminded me of something I read this weekend, 
that was also very simple. And it was this, where my humanity, where my humanity meets my spirit, there is Christ. And I thought, um, I thought that's just perfect. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, that's beautiful, Laurie, and so true. We have to love our humanity, and then it becomes, you know, it it becomes love. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, that was true. Thank you. time before the top of the hour anyone we haven't heard from I just want to thank everybody for their shares and knowing that I couldn't I could never have manifested the Christ in me except you know how it talks about the lesson seeing the holiness in myself um, without him asking him to look at Look, look at me. It was like, into me you see, and <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but <laughs> you didn't do it. <laughs> Thank you.
to the end of life personified by death. So I have lived a life of fear, the ultimate fear, fear of God. But it was also translated into what I call lesser fears, fears of others, fear of the future. But I'm so thankful that the course really boils it all down to one fear. The fear of God. That's what the ego would have me focus on. The ultimate fear. In section 15 is each one to be judged in the end. And he says, yes, indeed, yes. None of us will escape God's judgment, God's final judgment. That could be a scary thought. If I think God's final judgment is fire and brimstone, I'm so thankful that the Course has offered a different view. The final judgment won't come until it's no longer associated with fear. Forget about fire and brimstone. There is no such thing. One day, he says, I will welcome God's final judgment. I'm thankful for the Course because it has changed my upside-down thinking. And help me realize that God's final judgment is a good thing. It's really what I want. It's what I need. It's true for me. It's true for everyone. 
and it's true for the world. Holy are you. Eternal are you. You're free. You're whole. You're at peace forever in the heart of God. Where is the world? Where is sorrow now? Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't give up their whole belief system to embrace that gift? The gift of God's judgment. Is this your teaching? Is this your judgment on yourself, teacher of God? Do you believe that this is wholly true? Jesus knows us. No. Not yet. Not yet. But this is still your goal. This is why you are here. And the good news is I can achieve this goal. I can see myself, accept myself, know myself as holy, as eternal, free, whole. I can experience myself peace forever in the heart of God. He's already told me in so many places in this course that there is no world. There is only heaven. And I abide in heaven. I've never left heaven. That's true of me. And it's true of every seeming separate soul. With their some we are the same unity churches released in that job. Let me realize the truth of who I am. Release in that job let the spirit Based my life 
Let Holy Spirit constantly remind me that I'm hopeless, I'm eternal, I'm free, I'm whole, at peace forever in the heart of God. To me, that's constant reminder. Because I'm so used to listening to the ego narcissism define me, tell me who I am. I watch how I had a conversation with God a couple nights ago. And she couldn't quite understand what I was saying. But she knew I was talking to God. I'm grateful for what we're learning together. It's being translated into a language I can understand. I'm so grateful for all the voices on this call. All give me a piece of the truth. I'm complete. Oh, that was beautiful, Harrison. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your emphasis on the thoughts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Harrison. That was lovely. Thank you, Harrison. Well, um, as as a nod to um, as a nod to the truth of these two sections, um, I thought to turn to chapter twenty-five as a special function. There's a beautiful paragraph there that summarizes it for me. It's in chapter twenty-five, paragraph forty-three. The grace of God rests gently on forgiving eyes, and everything they look on speaks of him to the beholder. He can see no evil, nothing in the world to fear, and no one who is different from himself. And as he loves him, so he looks upon himself with love and gentleness. He would no more condemn himself for his mistakes than damn another. He is not an arbiter of vengeance nor a punisher of sin. The kindness of his sight rests on himself with all the the tenderness it offers others. For he would only heal and only bless and be in accord with what God wills. He has the power to heal and bless all those he looks on with the grace of God upon his sight. Let my heart accept that gentle goal 
Thank you, everyone. This beautiful call today. I sure enjoyed every minute of it. Every share was uh, just perfect. So thank you, everyone. I'll end the recording, but as customary, we stay on a bit.